0: Okay, let's get into Parshas Chukas, Tavshin Pei Beis, as we have our first broadcast here from Camp Keli, from uh, Chutzlaretz, as we continue a week ahead, though, in the Parshios of uh, Eret Yisrael, uh, as we continue through Sefer midwar. So at the beginning of Parshas Chukas, of course, we have the Parsha of Para Aduma, and that's where the name Chukas gets its name, Zos Chukas HaTorah. Hashem says to Moshe and to Aaron, Moshe and to Aaron. Uh, not everything was said to Moshe and to Aaron, but this one was. This is the chuk. This is the law of the Torah. Rashi says, Uncle says, this is the decree of the Torah. Not lemar. Take a red cow. And we have all of the details of the avoda paraduma which took place on Harazesim, the status of paradum is discussed in various Gemaras and in the Rishonim. Was it a carbon? It wasn't a usual carbon. It wasn't burned in the base hamigdash. It was burned uh, on Har on Har Azesim. They built a ramp to take the cow there, but it had to be looking towards Har Azesim. But of course, they used the ashes for the tara process of a Tame Mace. Uh, maybe one of the more famous stories in Shas relating to Paraduma is the story in Kedushan and Daflam and Aleph of Dhamma ben Nisina, where Paraduma comes up at the end. If you look in source number one, uh, the Gemara is summarized at the beginning. Eliezer Adhechan Kibara How far does the Mitzvah of Kib Kibara go? How far do I have to go to not bother uh, and to uh, give covid the question is: Is this covet? Is this mora? Those are two different mitzvot to be in awe of parents and to uh, uh, positively honor parents. But either way, says the Gemara. Amar lahem, Reb Eliezer says, "Suru maasa goyachad ba'ashkalon." What a certain non-Jew did in Ashkelon. Big shumi The he he had jewels. And the Chachamim wanted to, uh, were missing a stone. Some say it was the stone of the Yashveh, of, the, of bin Yamin on the Choshen. And they were looking for it, and they knew he had it. And the key... Of the box that had the stones was under his father's pillow when his father was sleeping. And he didn't want to wake up his father, Velo Zero. And therefore, even though they would have offered him a lot of money, he said, Sorry, I can't wake up my father. And for some reason, they couldn't wait, so they left, and maybe they got it from somebody else. The following year, Hashem gave the schar. To Dama ben Nasina, Shinodulu para aduma beedro, that he had a para aduma, one of the nine para adumas in history, as the Mishra says in Mesechus para, and the tenth one is going to be Moshe Mashiach, there were only nine. So Dama ben nesina had one of them. He had a para aduma, Nechmasu went to him, uh, to purchase the para aduma. Amarlem he says to them, ani If I ask any amount of money, I could write my own check here. I know, atem you would give it to me. I only want the amount of money that you would have given me last year for the jewel, but nothing more than that. This is the story of Dama Benesina, and the question that we could ask from the Chulshi Rim was quoted here in the Kol Al-Yoh, But the Chulshi Rim asked Vesorach Lahavin Kol Yechiel. Right, My question that's asked by other Mefarshim: Why is this perfect midah kineged midah Right, he did amazing it of aim, and that's the context of the Gemara. Those dafim and kedushin are all about it of aim. So, what does parah have to do with it of aim? Right, you might even think that they're kind of opposites. Parah is the ultimate in chok, the ultimate in. Uh, we don't understand it. And Kibar Aveim, you know, is up there in terms of the Mishpatim, in terms of the mitzvot. If you would ask everybody on the street, what's the most logical mitzvah, the most, the mitzvah that the whole world would agree to? And that's of aim. So how is Paraduma an appropriate schar for a full kiyum of of aim? So says the Chedushe Harim, the first um, the first Gera Rebbe, Sha'asa, Oso Goy when the Goy, when Dama Benesina did this unbelievable mitzvah, Kim of, 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 um his by Shamayim. There was a kidrug, there was a little negativity in Shamayim against Klai Look what this non-Jew does! in a Look what this guy does. He does such a commitment, such a kiyum of of the aim. Um, so it was a kitrug against klal yisrael. So Baruch who arranged it to undo the kitrug, and how to undo the kitrug from the mouth of the non-Jew himself. How did that happen? Lefichach. Fascinating. Baruch Hu made it that this non-Jew got the paraduma in his aider, in his flock. Which then what happened? The guy got it and he made all his money back. That's the money that he, that's the sechar that he got. The skar wasn't really a paraduma. The skar was the money that he got, but then what did he declare? When the Chachamim said, uh, we would like to purchase it, he says... I know you'll spend any amount of money to fulfill this mitzvah. What is he saying about Kla Yisrael? The mitzvah, the ultimate mitzvah that we don't understand, that symbolizes Chok, he himself declares I know that you jewels will spend any amount of money to purchase this. <speaking in Hebrew> this is the defense of Kla Yisrael. Right, what's the kidrok at Shemaim? Look how this guy fulfills kibbutz Avaim. But what does this guy himself say about Klai Yisrael? I know you'll fulfill this chok for any amount of money. And what does he say? But I'll take the basic amount of money for what you wanted last year. So he'll take money for kibbutz Aim, the ultimate logical mitzvah. While he acknowledges that Bnei Yisrael won't take money. For the ultimate, I mean, or they won't limit the money that they'll pay for the ultimate chok. Ha'inu. Hisanagoria, Gedola, he al Yisrael. Shemafazir, Mamonim, al sa mitzvahs. Kla Yisrael. Give away their money for mitzvos. There's no limit. mitzvah, time, even for a mitzvah that's a chok. They'll give it all away. They'll give it all away. Vilo oso goitov. I'm to tell the story i 'm um, not going to mention a name because um, i don't want to um, uh, i 've heard it butham certain rav, but i 'm not one hundred percent sure but uh, again there was a rav that that went into the DP camps uh, after the war, and uh, there was one person that that didn 't really believe anymore and he said obviously we 're not, not judging um, and he was just talking to him and he said well, what what you know what's what was the experience? And he said there was some, one specific situation that, you know, really he threw it away. There was somebody who, who got a sitter, who snuck a sitter inside the camps and he was able to, you know, I have it. And he was uh, making people pay with their tiny little morsel of bread in order to, to, uh, to use the sitter. And he saw that, he said a Jew could, uh, could do that. Could for it could make other Jews, you know, pay with their bread? Says, forget it. I don't want any part of this, and therefore I'm leaving. I'm out of here from this religion. So the Rav says to him, I I understand and I see your point that it's terrible that, that he did that. But look at the other side. The Jews were ready to line up and give their bread in order to have a little bit of time with the sitter. What about that side of it? What about the Mesiris Nefesh of those Jews? Jews would give away anything to do a mitzvah. That's what the Dubba ben Nasina said. I know you'll give away anything to do para adumah. Just like those Jews during the Shoah, during the World War, that they gave away their little bread to have some time with a sitter. Mika amcha Yisrael, ready to do mitzvos for Hakkadish Baruch. Okay. So we have para adumah, which obviously uh, is, the, is a, the basis for uh, chok. Cho- Chok versus Mishpat. So let's talk a little bit about Tami HaMitzvahs. This is the Parsha. Again, obvious thoughts that we'll say this year from Rav Charon Wasserman and the Kovach Shiurim. Somebody put the uh, a number of his pieces, Al HaTorah. You have it there in source uh, number two, where he talks about Tami mitzvah. Shlomo HaMelech, Alava Shalom Amra Be'Mishleh. Alti Chacham Be'Einecha. Yuraz Hashem V'Sur Meira. And explains the Grah. Alti Chacham Be'Einecha. La'amod. Al Torah. Right, don't think and try to analyze mitzvahs where you might think there are contradictions between reasons and messages. Vitomar Matzasi Kashel. And you'll think that you have all the answers. who is greater than Shlomo and, him, and Shlomo himself, you know, stumbled in this area. Chazal tells us, right, the king is commanded in the end of Sefer Dvarim shoftim Yasu do not have too many wives, lest they turn your heart. And Shlomo HaMalach says it's okay. The reason is so that they don't turn your heart. But I'm okay. Ani marbe v'lo According to Gemara in Sanhedrin Daf Khafalev, I will be marbe and I won't have my heart turned. Who here? Chazak be emunaso v'nasha He felt that he was strong in his emunah and his hearts, his wives won't turn his heart. And the Navi tells us that he was not successful. And we learned from Shlomo HaMelech. And he learned the Klal Gadol relating to mitzvahs. And he researched all the mitzvahs. Such an important message. We look to, for reasons for mitzvos. We try to make them more palatable and, and make them more meaningful for us. But ultimately, ultimately, mitzvahs, both mitzvahs asay and mitzvahs losa say, we do because we're avadim. We do because the Kodesh Baruch Hu told us to do it. Again, we should research. And the Rambam himself tells us at the end of Hilchas Me'ila and the end of Kar- of, of uh, Timura that it's good to look for reasons for mitzvahs. But that's not the... Real reason; those are just messages that we could gain. He says, just as an example, he gives one example. matzah, we eat because we went out and we didn't have time. We didn't have time to rush out to, to uh, go out calmly. We rushed out. We didn't have time for the for the dough to rise. Who is, is that such a chash of detail? Why do we have the mitzvah chashuvah vachaviva vachilas matzah? The mitzvah, the only mitzvah zachilah that the chasam sofer has lasted throughout the generations. There's no other mitzvah darisa vachilah. There's no truma, there's no challah, there's no karbanos, there's only matzah. Even more is drabanan. So the only one that's lasted. Why do we have matzah? To remind us that we went out very quickly. Is that so crucial? Is that such a detail that we want to remember? What's so important? But knowing that we rushed out, so Yesh Mivarim says Some say that where we were on the forty level of Tuma, the last uh, step. If we were there for another second, right, based on the Rambam at the beginning of Elchazavros Galchavim, if we would have gone out a second later, if we wouldn't have gone out, we would have drowned in the gates of Tuma. Until we wouldn't be able to go out. Therefore, even before we had the time to fall, Chodesh saved us. Okay, we remember we went out that second, Hashem rushed us out, so that we wouldn't fall into the 49th level of Tova. Why? You might ask, we had a shear on this uh, in the past, so why Hashem wait to the last second? So just redeem us beforehand. You didn't have to wait to the last moment. But says, I can think of another idea behind this mitzvah of matzah, of the significance of going out quickly, not having enough time for the do to rise. L'chor Akasha, he says on line 18. B'nei Yisrael she-yadu she-masidim remember, since Moshe Rabbeinu promised them and he used the Lashon of Pakot Pakadati from Yosef HaTzadik and they've had makkah after makkah after makkah B'nei Yisrael know they're going out. They know they're heading out. I might add, especially after Choshech, with those who they knew didn't believe, didn't make it. The only ones who were left are the ones who believed that they're going out. And they, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu told them, "This is going to be makas So why didn't they bake earlier? Why didn't they just prepare earlier? Right? They they didn't know that it was so quickly. So start preparing you earlier. Why did B'nai Yisrael wait to the last moment? It must be, says Rabbi Chanan. They already saw nine makkas. They thought after each maka. Okay, they didn't know there were going to be ten. They said, okay, if the dam, let's go. They didn't go out. Zefardea, they, they didn't go out. All of them. The in each time, Paro said, fine. And then Paro changed his mind. Chazer he didn't send them. So they didn't know. They didn't think they were going out. They knew at some point soon, but just like after the other Makas, they didn't. They weren't ready. They didn't go out. Even B'nai Yisrael were surprised and shocked. We're going out now? They weren't ready for it even though they've been through the Makos. The mitzvah of Matzah, that we went out that second, that we didn't have time, means they weren't even ready after the ten Makos. Yeshua, Hashem, and Yeshua, Yichol, Lavo, Pidom, berega HaShlo, la. even at a, at a moment that they weren't, weren't expecting it. And let's appreciate this now, even deeper, says Rebbe Hanan. Namik zeh B'nai Adam, Shehregil, Lanachesh, Ma Yisrach, Ishba, Asad HaKarov, Alpish Yisrach, Right, usually people, historians, social, sociologists, try to predict the future based on past events. Right, that's what usually is, uh, is done. Zui but really, when it comes to world events, and especially Jewish history-related world events, which is all world events, it's not predictable. Shari Olam, It's not that we can predict everything. Right? There's a, there's a cause and there's an effect. Right? The past couple of years in the world, we all know that. Nobody could have predicted what happened in the world the past few years. There's a decision in heaven. Everything that happens in, in, Shema, in, in this world is based on a decision upstairs. When it comes to people's behavior, then we could predict. If somebody was at Tzadik yesterday, Tum, he'll be at Tzadik tomorrow. If he was in Russia yesterday, he'll probably be at Russia tomorrow. When it comes to the world events, right? even when it comes to very close in the future. Why? Because that's related to Achilles Matzah. Yeshua, Hashem, Karef, Ayin. Right, we don't know what's going to be. We went out. There's Yeshuos. There's this historical events that happen in different countries overnight. Venimsa finally. Shemim mitzvah matzah Hashem clarified, and that's what we can learn from matzah. But that's still not the reason for matzah. And ultimately, says Obachanan, we eat matzah because Hakadosh Baruch Hu told us to eat matzah with maybe an infinite myriad of, of reasons. That some of them we could connect to and understand and some of them not. Right? We know that Lot and Avraham, they were all involved in the mitzvah of Matzah way before the story of Pesach happened. So we see it's not connected directly, but it's just to give us a little meaning. And therefore, uh, that's the message as we have every year Parshish Chukas to talk about Tamei HaMitzvot. Okay. Moving right along, so we have the beginning of the Parsha, Zoschukasa Torah, and then later on, we get into all the details of Tomas Mes, and towards the end, Pasag at the end of Tomas Mes. Zosah Torah, Adam ki Yamas ba'ohel. This is the Torah when a person dies, kalabala oel, v'chal shaboel, yitma shavas yamim, he'll be tamay, v'chal kli pasuach, any open kli inside that's not sealed, tamehu, and anybody who touches uh, items that touch a dead body, and we go through. And then towards the end of the section, Pasachaf, A person who is tamei and does not become tar, he will get So What do you mean he'll get karis For what? Didn't say he did anything wrong. So Chazal tell us that it's talking about a case where he went into the Mikdash. Right? Why else would you be tamei and get kareis? Because the following part of the Pasachaf, is yes, Mikdash Hashem tamehu. the Briskarav, and source number four, is bothered by the lashon of Zos HaTorah. We know Chazal tell us, the Rambam quotes it in Hilchas Talmud Torah, Zos HaTorah, Adem K'yabas Ba'oel, E'en Adem a person is not connected to Torah fully, E'en K'yabas Atzmah, M'yabas Atzmah, Torah. Okay, that's a remez in this Pasuk. But the Rizka Rab says, there's another remez to a halacha, not just a, an attitude or a way of life. But Zos HaTorah, he thinks, is alluding to a halacha, that the Rambam Paskins... Ha, not, and again, this is an example of every word of the Torah, divinely written, every word is relating to uh, and teaching us and filled with Torah Shabalpeh. Ha, lishna ha-Torah. The Torah uses the word Zos HaTorah. As we just saw at the end of the Parsha, the context is not just Tumas Ohel, but becoming Tameh and going into the Beis Mikdash. Kedem Isayim L'Basovish, and Sharyit as Mikdash Hashem Says the Berskirov, there's an unknown halacha of the Rambam in Hilchas Biyas Mikdash. Hine B'Bias Mikdash Tash, rambam based on a Tosefta, the nomer ba-halacha the ein chayov in rak al-tumas shel Torah Bilvad. Your only high of kareis, the full Iser, if somebody violates a tummah that's mentioned explicitly in the Torah, but not on a Tumah that's learned out using one of the Midos, shatorn and It's learned out from Chazal. It's Torah Shibaped, it's Darisa. But still, you're not Chayev. Tumas Mikdash on that chayav Other areas of halacha you'll be chayav the arise with malchus. You call makom be'iker hashem. But when it comes to knisa lemegdash, chalukiem haymahadadi. All the other halacha that learned the Torah shaval are different. than when it says beferish in the Torah, the zunikreis tumah shel Torah, the shel there's still a difference in what's called chaloshem, a different in status even though they're both Biblical. And when it comes to the Yisra of going into the base of Mikdash when one is tameh, there is a special din, the Enchayav and Rak al Tumah shel Torah Bilvad. Only Tuma that it is written in the Torah, Tuma Mufureshes, as he quotes the Tosefta uh, on line 18, Ma'aprat Mufuresh Tameos HaMufureshos Min Torah. Even the, oh, the others are Daraisa and the Lord of the but it doesn't apply here. says the briskara, maybe that's the allusion. Zos, ha Torah. Right? What's written in the Torah itself explicitly, adam so only that has the halacha, the full halacha of B.S. Mekdash. Right? This is not such a common example, but there are cases where there's Dover habafurish ba' Torah. Something that is explicit in the Torah is different. Than other dinim da araisa. Rav Asher has a has a maamar where he talks about eighteen levels of halachos, sources of halacha, starting with Mufurish Batorah. And then there are halachas that are out from the yud midos. And then there is a category called halacha moshe And then there's a category of dvor mufurashim mipi moshe Right. And then there are you know um, other keep going down the line of, of uh, Dinim. And then there's pure Dinim Durabonam Sheyeshlo Iker and Dinim Durabonam Sheenlo mikermanatora and Xeros all different uh, levels. He has 18 of them if I, uh, if I remember correctly. But either way for this one this one is an example of Dvar HaMafurish Batorah is different than other Dvarim even if they are Dinim Da'araisa just as one other example. Again, this is a piece of lumdis Parshashir tries to have a little of everything, a little musr, machshava, lundis, uh, not so much halacha, but this is a halacha. Lambdus, there's a ran in Masekhaz nedarim that explains a Gemara based on this idea that once in a while you'll have a difference with something that is explicit in the Torah in a Pasuk versus something that is learned out um, from the oral law Torah shaval There is a Gemara on Mandav Ches. Source number five. Amr of Gidlam, marav the fifth line. Somebody makes a nether, somebody makes a vow and says, uh, or a shvua, an oath, I swear I'm going to learn a certain mesechta tomorrow. I make a shvua. I make a shvua, I'm going to learn a certain portion of Torah tomorrow. Says the Gemara, it's an effective shvua. gadol lalakei Yisrael. We're not distinguishing now between a nether and a shvua, but says the Gemara, that, that, that's effective. It's an effective oath if somebody says, I'm going to make an oath to learn something specific tomorrow. Asks the Gemara, but why is that effective? We have a principle called, you can't make an oath on an oath. Once you made an oath on something, you're already bound by that oath. So you can't add on to it. Says the Gemara, <laughs> Or, is another We already took an oath at our Sinai that we're going to learn all the Torah. So if I make an oath that says I'm going to learn a portion of the Torah, how is that effective? I already swore at Har Sinai. Every neshama of ours were at Har Sinai. We all swore that we're going to make a shvua to learn all of Torah. So how is it that my shvua to learn a specific masechta is going to be effective? So the Gemara says as follows. Skip a couple of lines. You know why it's effective? Because really, learning Torah, you could be yotzei my obligation of learning Torah with saying Kriyashma morning and night. Kriyashma is in the Torah, so if I say Kriyashma in the morning, Kriyashma at night, that's learning, and that's the shvuah I took. I am gonna. So that's you know that's that's all I need to do. So if I make a shvuah, if I make an oath, I am gonna I am gonna learn something specific. That's more than I have to do. That's why shvuah could be on it. So all the Rishonim, including the Ran here on the Dharam, he can't move in the without the Ran, asks, what is, what? Did the Gemara just say that my shvua, my my oath at Harsida was just to to say Kriyashma, morning and night? That's all one has to learn? That's not what more one has to learn. We have to learn all day and all night, all of our free time. The Yom of Alayla. So what does the Gemara mean? That the shvua? Of learning a certain portion of Torah is effective because the previous Shvuah was only on Kri- the amount of Kriyashma explains the Ran, of course not. Of course not. We have to learn every free moment in our lives. Says the Ran, uh, he quotes the Gemara in Kiddushin in Source Number 6. The Torah has to be sharp in our mouths. Or the previous line. Do not think that we, we are exempt. From learning, once we say, We have to learn day and night, with all of our power, with all of our strength. So what's the Gemara talking about? It explains the Ran. It's a detail in, in the Halachas of Oaths. That if I take an oath, it's effective as long as the previous state was not explicit in the text was not explicit in the Torah. What does it say in the Torah? It just says, Vishinantam l'vanecha. And there's an there's a obligation to learn Torah. How much Torah is explicit that I have to learn? In the Torah, it doesn't say. There's a minimal amount. And that's all that's explicit. The learning with all of my koach, based on the Pasuk in Yehoshua, that's Torah Shebaal And therefore, a shvuah is effective... On that, uh, because it's not explicit. That's just another example. Like the briskerov says, the illusion of Zosat Torah. That is another example that we have in Halach. Let's move on to something very, very special. Something very special that Rabbi Fran quotes from Rav Simcha Zissl and then Rabbi Fran adds on his own Hosafa. So we know we have another complaint. Here in the Parshas Chukas, a very tragic one. B'nei Yisrael want water. Pas V'yevo b'nei Yisrael call la'eda. They come to Midbar Tzin. B'chodesh Miriam dies. As we know, we have now progressed to the year number 40. Right? We previously had been in year the earlier years. Right? The end of Korach was the earlier years. Now we're in year 40. V'lo hayam, hayam There's no water. Vayikalo Amoshev And they come together. They gather on Moshe and Aaron, by Yorva, and Moshe, and they fight. By Yomru they say, "We should have died with our brethren earlier." You brought us to the desert. Why did you bring us up from Egypt? And this is already year forty. Rather right, been schlepping around, why do you bring us to this terrible place, the desert? Lomakom Zera Teina geth, and Rimon. Where are those three? Which remind us a little bit of the uh, of the miraglim. If you remember the the also what what were the what, which fruit did the Miraglim bring back? Right, we mentioned this in the Parthish here a couple of week, uh, uh, two weeks ago. Right, the, with the, the connection of these, uh, which specific fruit were were brought back? Right, they brought back the. Uh, let me just find the pasuk if I can for a minute. And if not, we'll uh, continue. But the, the ones that they brought back, they come to Nachal Eshkol. There it is. and The Anavim, the Rimonim, and the Teinim. And what do they say here? Right here, in... They come Teina, Geffen, and Rimon, the same three. hey, where are those three? Where are those three? And they come to Moshe Rabbeinu. Says Rabbi Franz here... And this, of course, led to Moshe Rabbeinu hitting the rock and it led, to, um, it led to terrible consequences. So you read this and you read Sefer Bamidbar. You're like, we complained so much. So much we complained. We had Baaloscha a few times and we had Shlach and Emrag, and we had Korach and we had Chukas. We just didn't stop complaining. We didn't stop complaining. Says the, says uh, here, my friend quotes in The Power of vert, commenting on the incident of the Meim Eriva, Kalal Yisrael complained that Moshe, the Ramban, meaning chronological, chronological fact. The incident with Karach occurred directly after the story of the Meraglim, May Mariba, which happened 38 years later, which we just said. We just said, meaning Shlach and Karach were the second year, and Chukaz is the 40th year. Right, so what happened in the years in between? We've mentioned in the past where Salvation called these the blackout years. But the Torah doesn't say anything about those years. So we think, we don't think that's so significant. But if Simcha Zissel, as quotes, his answer is stunning. Why doesn't the Torah tell us about those 38 years? Because it must be that Klai Yisrael were perfect. They didn't make any mistakes. Right? The mistakes and the complaints that were made are recorded in Sefer by Midbar. That's all that's recorded in Sefer by Midbar. We don't notice. But going from Korach to Chukas is Thirty-eight years where nothing is mentioned, so we could assume there was nothing of significance mentioned. We're not nothing good, nothing bad, nothing bad. And you know what? It's not just Rav re- he has proof from Chazal. But the Mishnah tells us in Perkeavos, in the fifth parak, right, that Bnei Yisrael challenged Hashem ten times, right? Asor avoseinu. Ten times during the travels in the in the desert. The Gemara in and Tesvav spells out the ten times they tested Hashem. All ten were either during the first 18 months, the first year and a half, except May Mariva was, was year number 40. Meaning there were no other nacionos no other times did we test HaKadosh Baruch the Mishnah would have said those tests. Says Rabbi Fran, could you imagine being able to say that you didn't do anything wrong in 38 years? Apparently, the Jews who were under 20 at the time of the Meraglim were not punished for the sin were able to say that. We're able to say that. So the question, that's from Simcha Zizl. So now Rabbi Fran says, so what was it about year one and two and 40? What was it about? Why Why did we fall? Why did we, did we stumble in the early years and in the last year? What changed that made them begin to challenge Hashem? Says Rabbi Friend, quoting, maybe this is also of Simcha Zizl. Rav Simcha answer provides us with a crucial insight into human nature. The first 18 months of the final year that B'nai Yisrael spent in the wilderness were transitional periods. Beginning during the first 18 months, right, going from Mitzrayim into the Midbar, thinking they were going to go into Eretz Yisrael, but then ended up at the Midbar and then the last year when they were getting close. When they were getting close, they were about to change also. It was a transition year. Transitional periods are very dangerous for a person's Ruchnias. When there's stability, when there's um min, so to speak monotonous in the world around us, there's there's stability and we can continue going and same old, same old, and there's there's Khavrusis and Davening, and it's 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 the same. But if there's transition, if there are changes, even if the changes aren't directly negative to ruchnias, but just by nature. By nature that's what happens to a person. A person who is not in a calm frame of mind because he realizes that his existence is about to change abruptly is not able to make deliberate, calculated decisions. When we're about to go on a trip, often we have trouble focusing. When we've just come on a trip, we have trouble focusing. B'nai Yisrael, were transitioning from eating mon, having their every need provided by Hashem to the rigors of ordinary life in Eretz Yisrael that would include tending to their fields, making business deals, right the dirt day was the most exemplary generation of all time and yet transitions transitions are hard and my friend says even if the change is going through it could be as a positive one there's a positive one he's getting married right he has a child transition times are challenging and we as human beings have to recognize that within ourselves have to recognize that with the others around us and just tread delicately and do the best we can in these situations, but it's such a powerful thought. A powerful thought, first of all, part one, to recognize that we didn't do anything wrong in 38 years, right, there was only 10 missionos, and there was nine and one, nothing in the middle. And part two, why? Why were these challenging times? Because of the transition. Transitions are potentially dangerous, and we have to do what we can to try to succeed and accomplish even in in those transitionary moments. Okay, something very special. Okay, as we do every year, we need to talk a little bit about the chait Mehamariva. What exactly happened? As we know, the punishment. Whatever the chait was, the punishment was, you're not going into Eretz Yisrael. You're not going into Eretz Yisrael. Rai Rashi, Pasik Yud, through Yud Gimel. As we know, hamenaseh Hazer. Are we gonna take out water? Right, Mosh Rashi quotes, Moremes moraim Amenasal Zesha Lotzinho Allah, Notila Chamayim, Pa Mayim, and Loha Mantembi, Rashi quotes. Gila Hakasov, Shi Lule Chata Zebilvadhoy Nakhasan La Ares. Were it not for this specific sin of May meriva B'nei Yisrael. And Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron would have gone into Eretz Yisrael. Yan, because of this sin specifically. ka'avon The Torah does not want us to think at all for a moment that the reason Moshe and Aaron weren't going in has something to do with what happened 38 years ago. No, that's not. That's not the reason Moshe and Aaron aren't going in. They were going supposed to go in until today. valkar any time that they complained, or they did something in private, there's rachmanis. but here it was public. But here it was in public. But here it was in public. But here it was in public. was in And But here it was in and the question it the in public. But here was the Midah Midah? He quotes it from the Baal Vigematria mida bemida lachen. You're not going in mida bemida. What exactly is the is the mida kineged mida? With lachen, this word in pasuk Yudbei is lachen losoviu es hakala ze. What's the term driving at? What's the mida kineged mida for Moshe and Aaron hitting the rock, getting angry, whatever the chait was, and not going into Eretz Yisrael? Otsarach l'have in line six. We know how much Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to and how much he desired. Va'kam how much David. Remember David so many times I said don't david one more time. You can't. And not let him. right at the beginning of dvarim. There was a heavy price. Right, whatever the chait was, why didn't Moshe then do tshuva and do vidui? Maybe he could have gotten into Eretz Israel that way, right? By by being Misfadah. David Melach was Misfadah. Reuven, Yehuda, so many people did tshuva. So there was a chait here that got a punishment. So why wasn't Moshe dinner? Moshe Abenu tried to do Chuva then. Lomatsinu, matzinu imken yeshlayim ebnay malo matzinu shasam Moshe tshuva al chaitze rakis pala bitul akzera avalo is vada avalo al kach betzarech beer. So what's the midah? Can I get midah of not going into Eretz Yisrael. Why didn't Moshe Abenu do tshuva? And. What's pointed out by many in Tefilas Geshem when we mention a number of biblical figures that have to do with water and rain, and we say Beschus them, right? Sadkam Chon Chashras Mayim. We mention them Beschus Moshe, who hit the rock and brought water. Zehor Masui Betebas, Gomem and Amayim. He was pulled from the water in his reed basket. namo, Hishketzon Mayim. eis Samula Mayim. All of those are okay. We mentioned in Tilas Geshem, uh, where we're mentioning the Zhuyos of the biblical figures. Many are bothered, says Rivdruk. So we mentioned Rabbeinu. It doesn't seem like such a zhus. Ula hatsneyo l'hora we should hide it. Falolas bavura mayim. So what exactly was the zitkus? Bit zitko khon khashwas mayim muzakhit. It wasn't sadek. So what are we driving at? Fakatesa nafakhma ora zeme kheit with sedek? So he quotes, Yesh Lomar, some say, Maybe this isn't referring to the, the story in Parshat maybe it's referring to the story back in Shmos, where Moshe Ras was supposed to hit the rock, and it came out, but he doesn't like that, because there it doesn't say Sela, it says Tsur, a different type of uh, of rock, and here it says, And that's what's mentioned here in so he quotes in the name of his father. Line 26. The reason Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded by Hashem to speak to the rock and not hit the rock. As we know, Rashi quotes, If they would have spoken to the rock... Then I would have been more sanctified. Why? Because B'nai Yisrael would have done a Kavachomer. If a rock who doesn't talk, doesn't hear, doesn't need any Parnassah, this rock fulfills the word of Hashem. Kavachomer. Surely we should fulfill the word of Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu knew that Svara. Moshe Rabbeinu knew that Kavachomer. You know what Moshe Rabbeinu also knew? That we might not follow it. And there might be a terrible kitchrug on Kla Yisrael if Moshe Rabbeinu talks to the rock and the rock gives water and then B'nai Yisrael don't listen when Moshe Rabbeinu talks to them. Moshe Rabbeinu yadah shah sidim b'nai Yisrael lach tov v'lo lishmua b'kala Hashem rachmona litzlan v'yim y'alem kitchrug no r'ayinu, be terrible kitchrug. Even the rock listens to the Dibruh shamakom and the rock doesn't get any schar. Moshe hits the rock. He basically takes one and sacrifices himself for the team. He says, I can't have Kla Yisrael have such a Kittrug against them. So he didn't talk to the rock. He hit the rock. It kind of sounds like a Yona story. Remember one of the reasons that Yonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew that Nineveh would do tshuva and then that would let him look, make Yisrael look bad. Look, this non-Jewish nation do tshuva. After all, only I said something to them. Klai Yisrael had so many neviim come to them and they didn't do tshuva. Terrible. So Yonah runs away. So it could be that that's what Moshe Rabbeinu did as well. Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock because he wanted Klai Yisrael not to have such a kittruk against them. He wanted Klai Yisroel to be able to continue. This is his sitkus. It was and And that's why he mentioned it in Geshem, and that is why he continues. It says. Right? That's why Moshe did not tshuva. Because if Moshe would do tshuva, then what? It would take away his chait, he would be, he's talked to the rock, and then the Kitruk would be back. He doesn't want that. That would ruin the whole thing. Top of the next page. If you would be the Kitruk would come back. So that's why Moshe Rabbeinu didn't do it. Because our greatest leaders going back to Moshe Rabbeinu were Mosur Nefesh for their flock. And the most important thing is their flock. It's not their own covet. It's not their own, their own abilities. And they're even not their own spirituality of going into Eretz Yisrael. It's all about the people. It's all about the people. Okay. Two more thoughts for this evening. One is from Rav Shach. Rav Shach notes here in the, in the, in the, the Likut, Chael Yon, he quotes that we know many of the Pshatim of the Chet of Mei Meriva, and one of them, the Rambam, the Mornevuchim, the Ramban mentions a number of them, including this one. The Rambam says it was Kas. but right? it was anger. Shimunahamorim. Right, listen, you rebels. Moshe Abinu got angry. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu was mocked, but on that anger. Ke'en Roy Shayi'a Adam Kamo Koes. This was an appropriate. cause it leads to Says Rav Shach, what's the Rambam saying? The Rambam is not just saying angry. Somebody gets angry, so then you know that's that's worth worthy of losing Eretz Yisrael. We have to appreciate it. Says Shach, Halopashit bardas Shem Moshe Rabbeinu misar Moshe Rabbeinu didn't get angry like we get angry. You know, we all lose our temper sometimes. So we lose our temper and Moshe Rabbeinu lost his temper. No. we can't say that in the same breath. We can't totally put it in a di- totally different world or else then it's not, you know, teachable for us. But it's still not, it's still not the same as the, the language of Tanakh, Begovei It's not Begovei We're not like equal Moshe Rabbeinu is in a different galaxy, but at least it's still in the same, you know, created world. The anger wasn't reflecting an inherent evil trait. But even if it was anger of a different type, says Rav Shach, you know what the problem was? Moshe Rabbeinu was somebody that was looked at. For Mitzan Moshe Rabbeinu might not have been angry but people thought it was anger. People looked at him and recognized that it looks like anger and when somebody is a person who is looked at by others that's a tremendous responsibility. The Gemara sometimes says Adam Hush of Shaini. Sometimes we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard because we know other people are watching they're going to follow everything Moshe does. Lachain was only on the externally still. It was a mana a marvit toral arabim. He has to be such a one. such a dugma yishit, such a personal, a personal, um, example, a personal role model, because they didn't look after him. As we know, they look for mumin, they look for Hisronos. We have to do whatever we can. If we have a yarmulke on our heads, if we are known as an Orthodox Jew, if we are known as God's people, then we have this responsibility. Because people are always looking at us. People from within our community and people from without. And the more we know, the more responsibility we have. The more we're connected to Torah and mitzvot's. The more that other people, there could be others that are very close to us that aren't as inspired. But we have to have that responsibility for our children, for our grandchildren, for our neighbors, for our work buddies. We have to make sure that we wear that badge of responsibility with pride. And even if it's something that, you know, naturally we should react in a certain way, we have to try to do our best. Seder Shah, we have that responsibility. Kol Ben Torah, Lizkar. If somebody is a Ben Torah, somebody is learning a Bachor Yeshiva. When he's outside the Kaslai Yeshiva, he has to be super duper, higher level in terms of his midos, in terms of how he interacts. umu LaHanim Sheim to make sure people look at him or her and say what a great thing it is to be somebody. Does Torah and mitzvos. Okay, the last uh, offering for this evening um, is the Yesodistic Rambam in the Pirish Mishnais. The Rambam in Akdamat where he talks a lot about, uh, that's where you have the, uh, the Yud Ikarim, and uh, other discussions of, of, he has what uh, describing Nevuah, but there he also has an important comment where he discusses three approaches to Agadita. Agadita is defined as any non-halachic part of the Gemara. It's hard to describe describe what it is because it doesn't mean stories. I thought that sometimes means stories, not just stories. It can mean it could be aphorisms. It could be a, me, me, other messages. That's not a story, but anything that's not halachic. So the Rambam says there are three ways to understand Agatha. Source thirteen, and at the end he's going to quote a pasik from our parsha, from the end of the parsha. He's going to quote a pasik from all the way at the end. Where B'nai Yisrael, let's just do the Pasuk and then we'll appreciate it. B'nai Yisrael complained to Moshe, Perak of Why do you bring us here to die in the desert? This mon is disgusting. This mon is putrid. We're going to get back to that pasik. How is it that they thought the mon was disgusting and putrid? Right? How is that? How is that? So the Rambam says here in the Pirush Maseiis in thirteen regarding there are three groups. The Rambam says there are three groups. One of them he says is a nebuch, one of them is apikarsus, and the other one is right. Harishonavi Shonavi, the says the first one, the first group. Again, in the Rambam's day, most people were illiterate; they weren't taught to read and write. They were simpletons. But the Raman says, What I have th- seen a lot of risi chiburav, chi, uh, risi chiburav, Umasha Shamati. What I've heard, a Heinma People who take Agatha and they understand it literally. Everything is literal. They don't think there's any hidden meaning. They see that El Yonavi flew through the air, and there's this uh, a seven headed dragon, and they read all of these Gemaras and they think it's literal. And the impossibilities are regarding, in, in their mind um, you know, something that that uh, has to be explained. People think this way because they don't, they're they're not well versed in wisdom and depth of understanding. They just don't know; they don't have the wisdom. It's beyond their capabilities to think deeper. They don't have they didn't have a teacher to teach them. and they think They think what did Chazal have in mind with his demons? Everything that they themselves can understand. Right, and they think and they say, We feel bad for them. Feel bad for them. Right? They, just, they don't understand. Right? And they think that you know, the Chazal are, are simpletons like their are simpletons. And they don't understand. And this this is foolish. This is a foolish uh, approach. That's number one. Number two, next column, line 13. They also take it literally, but instead of just trying to understand it, simply... Right, literal, and not understand it. They take it literally, and therefore they reject it, and they make fun of it because it makes no sense. They'll <laughs> <laughs> scoff. They think they're smarter. <laughs> and their intellect is more pure. <laughs> And chazau are, are those that, that, that succumb to foolishness. Geru'e And they're foolish. And this is the group, says the I'm turning the page. Kat arura. This is a cursed group. gedolim They're talking about those who have ultimate wisdom. So the first group takes it literally and says, Okay, I don't understand it. The second group takes it literally, and therefore they reject and make fun. And then of course you have the third group, the ultimate, uh, understanding, and that is understand that it's not meant to be taken literally, and there's a lot of depth to it, and even if I don't understand everything, I respect it and honor it. It's a very small group. You can't even call them a group, because there are so few of them. They recognize the depth of Chazal, and that they're telling the truth, and they told us truths in riddle form, in ways that we need to try to understand it. There are riddles, there are Mashalim. And that's what chachamim that's what chachamim how they uh, transmit, because they don't want everybody understanding all of their words. And this ultimate, divre chachamim pulam bitveram alyonim, sheim ha And if you turn the page, he says now, and this is what, what relates to our parsha. says the Rambam, to the reader of this hakdama: if you are one of the first two groups, then you might as well stop reading now. Because you're not going to get anything out of it. And maybe even just the opposite. Don't study my words. you you'll hate it. You'll hate it. Why? It's like somebody who eats disgusting foods for so long that that's what their body gets used to. So when they eat something delicious, they'll find it putrid, and they won't appreciate it. Says so that's that's what you that's what you are experiencing, if you look at my words, Halotireh, and that's where he quotes our parasha. What happened when B'nai Yisrael and B'nai Yisrael started eating the man? Matira Masha amru hanashim b'alechem Said the Ramah, only if you're in group three are you going to appreciate what I'm saying. You'll understand the chidah and the mashal. You'll understand the depths of every line in Torah, and that's what we have to do. Try to apply ourselves whenever we read any maamar chazal to recognize there is so much depth to every word, to every letter in the Torah shebechsav and the Torah shebealpeh. Hashem should give us this the chachma and the appreciation to go further and strive to understand every word of the Dvar Hashem. Okay, we'll stop here.